Well, get your Bibles out and go to Isaiah 43. Are y'all ready for the word? You might have a burnt offering when you get home. Because if God gets to moving, we're going to go with God. Amen. Amen. Now, I can see that clock. It's 1115, and I know what time y'all normally eat lunch. And don't be afraid. Don't let God give you a spirit of fear. Not God, but the devil. But some of you could fast. I can see, by, not by the spirit, just naturally. Some of you need to fast. Amen. Amen. Some of us need to fast. I should say us. Maybell doesn't need to fast. In the last several weeks, the spirit of God has begun talking to me about something very different than I have ever imagined. I'm a word man. I'm a faith and I'm a word man. That's what I am. That's what I've done for years. I would hear preachers make statements like, what God doing new this year? And I'd always reply, he's doing the same thing this year he did last year. He told you in the word what to do. He's not changing his mind about going to all the world. And I've always been a real strong stickler for the word. And rightly so. And the Lord began to talk to me a few weeks ago. And he said, I'm doing something new. Now, that, now to my soul, that's an odd thing for me to hear. God, you're doing something new. I mean, you, you, you finished what you did in Jesus. You rose from the dead. The, you know, salvation's finished. So having said that, he began to talk to me and he said, well, that what you're thinking is not correct. He said, whenever the children of Israel went into Egypt, they got into bondage down there and I did something new. I went and got them out. And I took them out and I took them in the desert and I set them free. He said, they were in the desert for 40 years. And at the end of a 40-year stay, God did something brand new, and he took them into Jerusalem, took them into Israel, and the manna quit and everything. And we talked about that Wednesday night. If you weren't here Wednesday night, I've just been going Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday. I hadn't even slowed up on this subject. And I don't know when I am going to slow up. We're not going to blow right through Easter and just keep on going. But... um. But he said, I did something new and the children of Israel went in the promised land, the manna ended and they had to get their own food from there and they had to walk by faith. And then there came a day when the Lord Jesus Christ was born in the earth and the angels sang because God was doing something new in the earth. Then Jesus walked the earth as a man and, and at the end of his life, he died on the cross and rose to the dead and he did, God did something new and raised up a brand new creations. Then on the day of Pentecost came and God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit and the church busted loose and God did something brand new in the earth that had never been done before. And I got to thinking, well, that's all true. I can see that in the Bible. Well, what about now? He said, well, there was a season in America where the gospel needed to be preached. People like Wesley, people like Billy Graham got up and preached a basic come to Jesus message. And it was powerful. And I remember as a boy, my grandmother would drag me in the living room and I'd watch Billy Graham preach the gospel. And, um, and, and they'd sing George Beverly Shade preach just as I am. And people would get up and come down to the front. And that was a season in America. And then another guy came along with a big microphone named Oral Roberts. And he would sit in a seat and start, he would preach for two, two and a half hours and pray for people all day. And children would get healed of polio and blind eyes would open. And God did something new. It wasn't that healing was new, but that's what he emphasized in the earth. And a healing revival broke out in the earth. 
Well, then that thing seemed to wane down and a charismatic movement started in America. And God said, well, you know, it's not that I've stopped, you know, this message with the new birth. It's just that I'm adding to it and then I added to it healing. But then he started getting Catholics filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he got some Baptists filled with the Holy Ghost and Episcopalians and some Methodists like Betty May and them got filled with the Holy Ghost and called them Methecostals. And the next thing you know, the charismatic movement started in America and people started coming to church and the gifts of the Spirit started operating in church and they waned for a little while until this morning. And then... Um, and, and, and then a new thing started, and then God brought another, a man in the earth and said, my church doesn't know who they are. They don't know their authority as a believer. They don't know they've got authority over all the work of the enemy. They don't know what it's like to walk by faith and not by sight. They don't understand that. So Kenneth Hagin came along, and a teaching move started. And we've been in it up until next Sunday. The Lord said to me, I'm doing a new thing and it's going to officially begin Easter Sunday. And, and he began, well, it actually started here a few days. Y'all don't mind being in on something a little early, do you? All right, y'all always have been. So he said to me, he said, I'm doing something new. So when he said that, you know, I began to think to myself, you know, what's new? What, what, what new thing are you doing and so I got to tell y'all a story right now. So y'all just hold on. When, sometimes when Lisa and I, we're, we're, we kind of do things that we don't tell you guys about. But when we go to Nashville or go to the mountains, sometimes we'll go over to Mary Franz and we'll go out to lunch with her. And take her out to lunch. And she usually pays the bill. She won't let me pay it. That's the reason why we give her a better offering when she comes. Because I, I don't like to be out given. It is a competition. I got to make sure this woman is blessed. It's not, a, you know, it's not. But, um, but, but, you know, I looked at Mary Fran and I said something to her. I said, Mary Fran, I'm bored. Hey, folks, listen to me. I'm not just, I'm going to be as kind as I can. You, you, can't, you can't just keep every Sunday, come to church, preach the same thing. This week we're going to hear about how much Jesus loves you and who you are in Christ. And go home. I'm bored out of my mind. I mean, I've been in India where, where a guy died next to me and I got to command him to come back and raise him from the dead. I've been down in Venezuela where I'm preaching and, and, and some person slither on their belly up to the front with their tongue going out there like a snake and cast the devils out of people. That's fun. Y'all are no fun. Y'all, all I get out of this is every occasionally I hear someone snoring in the spirit back there, you know, just... No, in all reality, you know, you just kind of look around and go, is it, I mean, God, is this like it? This it? Because if this is it, I'm going to go to Walmart and get me a job. I don't, I guess, I, I have time for all this. No, I've seen God, do. I've seen a lot more of God than this. And it just got to, it just got under my skin. I just got to praying about it. And the Lord began to deal with me and says, no, I'm about to do something new. I'm going to read this out of the, out of the King James and let me, let New King James. Verse 18, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, the concern that I have 
is that you have all of these people that are in church that have heard all of their life about who they are in Christ. And we've learned to pray the prayer of faith and there's nothing, you don't have to jump and run and shout and holler to get your faith, your, your, yourself healed. But this is not about you. That's the change. It's not going to be about you anymore. It's been about you for years. God's been spoon feeding you and taking care of you and petting you and loving you. And it's all about how much God loves us. Well, it might be changing to where we need to see how much we love God. So things are going to start changing in the church. And he is doing a new thing. Now, that does not mean that the new birth is no longer relative. We're going to still preach it. Doesn't mean healing's not for us today. It'd be better to walk in health than to have to get healed. And it doesn't mean that we don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Ghost, but but we're going to build on those and build on those and build on those. That's why at the beginning of the service, I made a comment about the people who went down to the hospital. Don't you, uh, do y'all have any idea what's going on in Jeannie when she sees the love from you? She knows God loves her. She knows the Bible, but to have the howders, they're not in here. To walk in and, and to say, we're here to stand with you. That, that, that does something for Jeannie's soul. She's poured her life into these kids. And that mobile home park, and she's going through something now. And we can give her a scripture and we can give her some money. But it's nothing like giving her you where you get up and walk in and go, I'm here. And then I heard y'all guys went down. Thank God for the art and crystal. But you know, listen to me. Something's changing, and I'm going to call it something. I'm calling it the Todd White generation. And I think I have a good name for this thing. And I'm going to tell you why I'm calling it that. Listen to me. Todd White was just a little dopehead. And I don't understand his hairdo, because how do you wash that hair when it's matted. I had a dog that his hair used to do that and I'd shave it. I know I'm picking on him. Some of these younger people are about to throw something at me. Okay. But now, so to me, he's an oddity. But, and, and actually, I love to hear him preach. But, but, I, but he said he came to church and he was sitting on the front row and his pastor prayed for somebody one day and they got healed. And he's sitting there as a brand new believer and went, I want to do that. Isn't that cool? And he started praying for people. You know what happened? Nothing. Because it doesn't just start. You don't just learn how to ride a bike. You don't get on a motorcycle and take off around the track like, they, like you've been riding it for 10 years. You, you better start in the bay. You start in first grade, second grade, third grade. God will take you from glory to glory. So he started teaching Todd a few things, and he's built on it. And I, the other day, I was watching him on TV, and he's talking to somebody, and their, and their, and their deaf ear opened up, and it doesn't even, doesn't even phase him. And the younger generation, and I said this Wednesday night, now listen to me. This generation doesn't want your religion. They don't want it. If they don't want to come to church 
sit and listen to somebody preach a message and go home. They want to see God. They want to be used by God. If there's miracles, they want to experience. They don't want to watch some preacher line people up while they sit down. They want to get in the line. If they can't get in the line, they're going to go out on the streets. This generation is tired of our religion and they want to see what we've been preaching or shut up. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's, the shift is changing, and we've got a younger generation that's coming to church, and they want God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm proud of these young people in this church. Mary Fran told me the other day that when she came, they were the only, they were asking her questions and asking her questions and asking her questions because they want to know about miracles. That's powerful to me. Amen. Are y'all ready? Um, I'm doing a new thing. Um, go to Luke chapter 24 in your Bible. So the other day I called Mary Friend. and I said, am I right? I mean, God has given me this thing and it is burning in me like crazy. And it's not just a, I mean, I, I, do y'all understand the difference between a sermon and a life it's like you're like God is showing you something and you're like oh this is awesome well I understand that we have a generation of people who have heard well you know what you don't have to run and jump and shout no you don't no you know not to get your prayer no not to get yours let's talk about a sinner for a minute let's talk about him in the garden Was Adam and Eve seeking God? No. I'm talking about when they fell. No. Sinners don't seek God. They're lost. How are they going to get saved? You are going to seek God for them. God needs you praying for people. Who are not seeking God. Yes, we've been through a time where we learn how to pray for ourselves. We're coming into a season where we're going to learn to not just live for God. We're going to learn to not just walk with God. He took your place. You're about to take his. That's the shift that we're coming into. All right, now let's read this in, in the book of Luke. And Amen. If, now listen, you young people, if you see them get where they're not excited anymore, help them out a little bit. We can't, we can't have them going to sleep on us in the middle of the Snoring in the spirit. Luke 24, and I, I, don't, I said 13, but I can't do that. I got to start at one. On the first day of the week, early in the morning... There were certain women and came from the tomb and brought spices, which they prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb and they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. That's awesome. And when they were, they were afraid and they bowed their, their faces to the earth and they said, why do, why do you seek the living among the dead? 
he is not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. And he said, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. I want you to notice that Jesus, before he died, told them what was going to happen. But did they get it? No, they did not get it. They didn't understand what he said and they did not get it. All right, let's move on. And as they, and they remembered his words and they returned from the tomb and told these things to their level and all the rest. And Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother, Mary, the mother of James and the other two women were them told these things to the apostles and their words seemed like idle tales and they did not believe them. Now, you just think about this, where he has risen from the dead. He told them he's going to die on the cross. He told them he's going to rise from the dead. Then the women said they saw an angel, and the 11 did not believe it. They're sitting there going, ah, what a fantasy this is. What in the world have we been doing for three and a half years of our life? Are y'all listening? This is, they're very discouraged. It's not, they're, they're all down and in the dumps. And Peter rose and ran to the tomb. He stooped down and he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves. He departed and he marveled. Whoa. Now two of them were traveling that day to a village called Emmaus. They're not supposed to be going to Emmaus. But they have decided, well, there's nothing here. I'm going to Emmaus, and we're going to get in this later today. But you remember Peter said, I'm going back to my fishing business. They, they took this three and a half years as a wash. They thought that Jesus Christ was going to come and physically redeem them from their enemy, the Romans. They had no concept of sin. They had no concept of the blood. They didn't understand the Lamb of God. The Old Testament made no sense of them. The Red Sea, none of that made any sense. They didn't know they were in sin, even though he talked to them about it. And now they're all discouraged, and they think that the gospel is an idol tell. These are the guys that fix and start preaching it. They're hearing the word. Now listen to what I'm saying. They're hearing the word. They're hearing the word. Many Christians hear the word. People in America have heard about Jesus. They've heard about his death. They've heard about his resurrection. And it has not changed them at all. We've got Christians who come to church and hear the word. And it has not changed them at all. Wow. I mean, look at America. You'd think, with all of the teaching, are you kidding me? We've got Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, or Jesse Duplantis, Andrew Womack, Joyce Meyer. You would think, my God, the church would be in a revival, and it's not. This is the thing the Lord has been talking to me about. This is going to change. And I'm going to show you how 
It's going to change. He's going to do something, but you're going to have to cooperate with him. I'm going to show you what he's saying to you. I'm, I'm, I am literally prophesying to you this morning. I'm not just preaching a sermon. I'm literally prophesying to you about a move of God that is beginning in America and the world that will bring Jesus back. And it starts Easter Sunday, except here, it started early. <laughs> Are y'all okay? Okay, okay, okay. Where was I? Where, what scripture was I? Oh, God, God. Tell me, Lisa, where was it? 24. 20-something. 24, 13. 13 13 Two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, and they were seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things that happened, and so it was while they conversed and reasoned in their mind with the scriptures they knew, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. And their eyes were restrained. How did that happen? And they didn't even know it was him. And he said, what kind of conversations are you having with one another as you walk in our sad, 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 greatest day in the history of the universe? And y'all are a bunch of sad puppies. Disciples of Jesus on the resurrection day are sad. (laughs) And he's asked them about why are you guys walking down the road with your jaw so low? And one of those whose name was, help me, Cleopas. We got to get it right because we get to heaven. He's going to walk up to him and go, I'm Cleopas and you said it wrong. Get it right. And he said, are you only a stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things that happened here in these days? And he said, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, who was, well, he was, he was until he got himself killed, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And then the chief priest delivered him to be condemned to death and they killed him. We were hoping that it was him that was going to redeem Israel. But I guess you can see right now that didn't happen. I mean, we had hopes. But it is not what happened. I mean, God himself is a prophet of God and thought he was the Messiah. And he got himself killed. They nailed him to the cross. They killed him. Now he's dead. Another dead prophet. And you and certain women, and then certain women of our company, they arrived at the tomb early in the morning. They astonished us. I want to show you what astonishment. They were astonished. You what? He rose? They were astonished. They didn't go, huh? They went, what? Are you serious? Ah, give me a break. They astonished them. Unbelief is astonished at miracles. Some of y'all, when the Holy Ghost started falling, y'all were astonished. Well, I put a sign out there, warning, God in building. Enter at your own risk. You may come out on fire for God or something. (laughs) And when they didn't find his body, they came and said they saw a vision of angels, said he's alive. 
And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and they found it. It's like the women, but we didn't see him. He ain't there. And Jesus said, you foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things to enter into his glory? At the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them all the scriptures concerning himself. Now look at verse 20, 28. And as he drew near the village, they were going. He indicated he would have gone further. I'm going to say something to you about God. You don't want him. He ain't coming. He will walk with you and you even give a hint. You don't want any more. He will keep walking. And you won't have any more God. If you think that your Christianity and your faith and word is an hour and a half on Sunday morning, and that's all there is to it. That's all of him you're ever going to have. He would have just kept going. Why did he stop? They constrained him. They said, hey, buddy, come in here with us. We, we like what you're saying. Let me tell you all. Let me tell you all something. When the Holy Ghost is talking to you and you blow him off like, well, I got something I got to go do. He will get up and he will leave. And you can go do your errand and you can do your thing. But if you're sitting there and the Holy Ghost is talking to you and he is showing you something and you stop and go, hold on just a minute. I had something to do today, but I'm not doing that today. I want to hear what you have to say. You act like you want to be around Jesus, honey. He's coming in the room and he's going to sit and that's called fellowshipping the relationship. You can have a relationship with God and you can be dumb as a rock. You can sit in church and you can be ignorant. You can hear the word and be ignorant. You start fellowshipping with God. You start drawing near. You start acting like, I want him around. I want Jesus around me. I want to know more about this Jesus. I want to know about this Holy Ghost. I want to know about this. And he'll come sit in your house with you. And you start fellowshipping with him. And he will fellowship with you. And he will open up your eyes. And you will see things you have never seen before. That's the difference. Let's talk about tongues. Let's talk about tongues for a minute. You know what tongues is about? Tongues is not about tongues. Well, I don't go down there among them tongue talkers. It ain't about tongues. What's it about? If all you want is to die and go to heaven, you selfish little brat. You don't need tongues. Because you know what tongues is for? You will be endued with power from on high and you'll be a witness unto me. Tongues is not about you. It's about the world around you and the people around you that need prayer and they need God and they need the gifts of the Spirit. When you get over being a self-centered little Christian and you want to do something bigger for God than just about you and your little church and going to heaven, when he's Lord of your life, you're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. There ain't no reason someone says, well, I don't see the need for that. 
Well, that's because you ain't never looked and seen the world going to hell. If you look at the world going to hell, you're going, whoo, I need help. No way in the world to do this job without being full of the Holy Ghost. And some of you that don't pray, but every once in a while, you start thinking about the lost going to hell, you'll pray a lot more than you praying. Because you're going to run out of English in just a short order. You're going to pray everything you know in about five minutes, and then you're going to be praying again. Well, let's pray that one more time. No, you need to just pray in the Spirit. Well, that's not even in my notes. That's free. And since you gave the extra offering away, it's all right. Wasn't that fun? Don't you, I just love you guys. You know, we're investing a lot in y'all. We want to return from them, don't we? You bet. How many of y'all think we ought to start praying for their family right now, their children? Uh, I mean, both of them, both of them, both of them come from large families. Y'all want to prophesy large family over there. <laughs> Isn't God funny? Somebody said, I don't think God would do that. You don't know him very well. I remember one night Jeannie Bowser, you know Jeannie Bowser was barren? Did y'all know that? She was barren. She couldn't have children. Wednesday night meeting, I, I, the Lord said, call Jeannie up here. You know God says something that I don't agree with? I, I, said, I said, Jeannie, come up here. I said, in nine months from today, you will have a baby. And Jeannie fell on the floor and started weeping. She said, what about Tom, her husband? Well, no, not Tom, her other guy. And you know what the Holy Ghost said for me to tell her? Who asked him? I said, God, that's not right. She can't do this by herself. And God said, no one asked him. She asked me for a child and I am given her. And, and, and nine months from that night, Renee was born. Isn't God cool? You say, you mean God will do that in a service? Oh, you, oh, oh, you have no idea the things he would say to somebody in a service. He, see, that's why people don't want to come to a service. I don't want him saying nothing to me. No, I don't care to do it. Well, clean your life up and don't worry about it. We have, a, we have a friend that said, I ain't going to no marry friend meeting. I ain't going to no marry friend meeting. There's only one reason you don't want to come to marry friend meeting. You got sin in your life. Repent, yo heathen. <laughs> All right, let's get back in the word since we've had so much fun in the spirit. And they constrained him and said, abide with us. It is toward evening the day is far spent. And he went to stay with them. And it came to pass as he sat at table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it. And he gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. When did that happen? When they were breaking bread, the word communion means to drink from the same cup. There's a relationship with God, but he's calling the church to fellowship the relationship. Now, 
To some people, that's a new word because there are people who interchange the two words when they preach. They're not the same word. Lisa and I are in relationship and there have been at least two times we've broken fellowship, but me and God were able to get her back. How many of you know if you get married, you're going to hit a wall sometime? You're going, whoa, honey. I told you, I mean, her mother makes skinny cornbread and mine makes fat cornbread. That just don't. Now, I know, I know. I'm not telling them what we really disagree about. But you know, if you're married any length of time, it doesn't take long to figure out that the fellowship's not always there. And selfishness is what destroys marriages. It is. And when you have two people that love God, you don't have the hell that you have in a marriage where people are selfish. All of your fighting is coming from your flesh and selfishness. Well, if you would just repent and get your flesh under, you wouldn't be so hard to get along with. That's another Sunday. I am preaching it. John 13, 34, and I'm reading out of E.W. Kenyon's book, shows us that the law of the new creation, the law that governs the new creation is the love law. We are to love one another like he loves us. Jesus says, even if I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken to you that my joy might be in you and your joy would be full. For years, it did not mean anything to my spirit until one day I saw that the secret to Christianity... The secret of evangelism was that they were to have joy in their spirits. The joy of the Lord is his strength. When you lose fellowship and you are now in a, you are now in a religious cycle of trying to obey the word of God without the Holy Ghost. And, you, and, it's, a, and it, it's a burden to go to church, read the Bible and pray. It's, it, all it is is a religious duty. Not relationship. You didn't break relationship. You broke fellowship. Something happened between you and the Lord. When the joy is gone, fellowship's broke. Okay? When you look at your wife and go, I don't even want to see her anymore. Because something's not right. And vice versa. You remember in Acts 15, 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Ghost. And in 1 Peter 1, 8 tells us that joy unspeakable and full of glory. That did not mean much to me until the spirit unveiled it to me. And I saw the secret of this new thing that was coming to the new creation. My joy I give you. This is something the world can't take from us. It is something indescribable that fills our spirits. What does that joy grow out of? Here's the secret. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I understand relationship, but it's not just a relationship. It's fellowshipping with him. Fellowship is the secret. It is the thing that gives you joy. When fellowship is broken, joy dies. The happiness of your marriage is in the fellowship between you and two hearts. Misery comes full tide when fellowship is broken. You may be a child of God and have all the knowledge and the riches that belong in that marvelous relationship, yeah. 
And if you have no fellowship with your father, there is no joy in your life, and it is an empty, dry thing. And the power of ministry lies in fellowshipping. Folks, that is, that is powerful. Now, I'm going to read some more in a minute, but let me tell you what's happening in the church. It's enough that we know the Bible. They knew the Bible. It's enough that we've heard the word. We know the word. God is calling his church back to himself. Not just a knowledge of him, but an intimate walking with him. When it says in the book of Revelation, you have left your first love. He's not talking about going to a Kenneth Copeland meeting and standing outside for four hours to wait to get in. Like you did when you first got saved. What he's talking about is making him number one. There is no person on the earth greater than my wife. None. My relationship with her and my fellowship with her trumps everything. When we first, when we were dating, and I, and I tease her, I said, you walk by my refrigerator and you're so hot you thawed steaks out. <laughs> so now I have to cook them for you. So... I would tease her. We would come over to my apartment and, and, and we would make nachos and, and, and get chips and put cheese on it and then put notch, jalapenos in the middle, those big hot ones. And you don't put them on your lips because they'll burn your lips. Out. You got to And we'd sit there and listen to Christian music, listen to Petra and DeGarmo and Key, and we would pray and worship God, and I'd serve her steak. You, you know, you got to learn to treat a woman. You you. Shrimp, crab, lobster. You know, when you meet a Florida girl, you you can be 11 years older than her. She's going to marry you. Ain't nobody over here understood the thing I just said. She's like, that other guy's good looking, but God, this one can cook steak and lobster and everything. And so she's a wise woman. But I'm going to tell you, last night we sat down and we had some nachos and we had some lobster bisque and watched a stupid movie. Well, part of it was stupid, but I screamed at the television. What was that movie we watched? Heaven is for real. real. The movie's not stupid, but I I got so mad at the preacher and the unbelief and the stupid. And I was hollering at the TV, where's your Bible? Y'all can imagine being in my house and Lisa's like, honey, shut up. You know, we're trying to watch a movie. But I always like to listen to the boy talk about heaven and the end of the movie turned out pretty good. So anyway, it was, in, it was good. But we still, we st- that's, been, that's been a long time. Can you still have a good marriage 30-something years later? Yes. If you cherish the fellowship. I still love going to my room and getting my Bible and praying in the Holy Ghost and spending time with God. That's my, I love that more than I do preaching. Now, if you do it, he's going to give you a sermon. (laughs) He does me. And sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'll get something from him. But that's still the most important thing in my life is my fellowship with God. Think about that a little while. I love church. I love church. I, I mean, I, 
I'm the pastor and I still love coming to church. I love singing and worshiping. You know, one of the things that I said in the first service, and I, I, are y'all going to be okay if one Sunday I don't preach? Can y'all, I mean, really? Are you, are you going to be okay if I turn to the band and go keep going? I mean, in all we do is worship God. Is, I mean, are y'all going to be okay with that? I hope so. Because, because we need him more than we need anything. Let me finish reading this. Y'all are fun to preach to. First John 3, 1 John 1, 3. That which we have seen and heard declare to you that you'll have fellowship with us. Why? Our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus. And these things we write, that your joy would be full. There it is. Now, what is that fellowship? It is that sweet communion between your spirit and your father. It is the glad richness that comes through the unveiling of the word in your spirit. It is a quiet assurance that fills your heart with an unspeakable, irresistible joy. Faith cannot grow without rich fellowship with your father. Now, listen to me. And get up here and preach on Mark eleven twenty three and twenty and preach on healing until the until the roosters come home, and nothing will happen. You'll get a few people healed. And I'm gonna tell you something. You'll be in a, you want to be in a service where the power of God comes and everybody goes home healthy, yes. or you're gonna have to spend time with God. Yes. And the only way you're gonna spend time with Him is if you want Him here. Yes. You're the one that will constrain Him. Come, we want to be with you. You even act like you got to get out of here and this is too much of, honey, he'll pack it up. How many denominations did y'all come out of? They're dead as a rock and God used to be in them. The people did that. God did not. People say, I'm waiting on a move of God. Well, he's waiting on you. He's waiting on his church. This church, we will have a move of God until Jesus comes back. Now, it may not look like that. We may not be able to put it in a bulletin. We can't make a bulletin. We have no idea what's going to happen when we come in here. We have no idea. There will be tongues and interpretation between 1101 and 1103. We have no idea what is going on in this service. I didn't any more know there was going to be tongues and interpretation this morning prophecy than I'm an astronaut. And I certainly didn't know we were going to give all of our money away to Paul and, and Mrs. Paul. My lunch money. Gave my lunch money away. Can you take me out for lunch? You take me out for lunch. Let me finish reading this. Faith cannot grow without rich fellowship with the Father. I don't care how much knowledge you have of the Word. If your fellowship is broken, your faith is crippled, and the adversary will take, take advantage of you and hold you in bondage. That's the body of Christ right there. I'm, I'm not against the word. Folks, I'm not anti-word. I'm, I'm word man. 
But I can also tell that there's times we have a lot more of the move of God than we have other times. And I'm not talking about just, you, you know, you, you don't have to pray all night to get someone saved. They'll get saved. You can give them Mark 11. You can give them Romans 10, 9, 10, get them saved. But I'm going to tell you something. You want to see God moving and people coming in mass. You're going to do some praying. And you're not going to pray the way that you always thought you should pray. You may look different than everyone else. That's not the sermon. We'll just get off of that one. Go to John 21. Wow, it's 12 o'clock and God is so good. He still got y'all out on time. Man, you are an awesome God. How did you do that? Woo. Time is in his hand. John 21, 15. Look at this right here in scripture. You know, Peter denied Jesus. You know, three and a half years. And even when he heard Jesus rose from the dead, he said, I'm going fishing. He left. I'm going back to my fishing business. Jesus comes and finds him. And I want you, I'm going to read to you what he said to him. Verse 15. And when he had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now listen to me carefully. I love the message of God loves me. I love that man. He loves us. His love for us is unconditional. It's time for the message to change. Do you love him? We've heard, and that's a selfish message. God loves you. He loves me, loves me, loves me. So Jesus at the end of Peter's life, he wants to use Peter. And he wants to use you. But he has a question for you. Do you love me? Now I'm going to tell you something. When a man, when a man loves a woman, he will buy her a diamond ring. And take her away from her mother and her father. That's pretty good singing for an old young man. <laughs> See, when you love, you know, you, you know, there's the old adage in the world. Do you, that men would say, if you love me, let me. They say, I love you and I'll let you. Put a ring on my finger and I'll let you. That's right. If you love someone, you want to be with them. And you want to walk with them. Am I right? Come on, am I right? Come on. If you, how do you know I love Lisa? Well, we're still married. And we got kids. The stork didn't bring them. I know that shocks some of y'all, but it's all right. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> so the question is now, does the church love him? Do you love God? Because if you do, it's no longer going to all be about you. Your life is not going to just be about you. So Sunday mornings, even though we come in here and worship God, it's about him. And then there's times we're going to get together and we're going to have prayer meetings and that's not going to be about you either. And you're going to find a secret 
when you quit taking care of you, he'll take care of you. Amen. See, the church has never understood healing. And I'm going to give you the secret to it. If you walk in love, you fulfilled the law. And he'll take sickness from the midst of you. If you'll stop praying for your healing and start praying for someone else's healing, you'll get healed. Yes. Amen. Do you see this? Where God's taken us is very good. It's very different. But you're going to see church full of people and ain't anybody sick in the building. Let me tell you something. When the Holy Ghost flows through you, it'll heal your body. But it's got to flow through you to someone else because you're in there laying your hands on them. So this new, this new wave that's, that's happening, it's coming. It's, it's, it's coming. It's going to be a return to fellowship and with God and the church walking with the Lord. In the early church, they walked with the Lord. They, they didn't just have a Bible. They walk with God. And I've done a lot of sermons lately talking about how the Holy Ghost said this and the Holy Ghost said that and the Holy Ghost said this. You've got to hear from God. Now, we've got young people today, and they, and they get to the age of 18 and 19, and I say, what are you going to do? And they go, well, I'm going to this school. My question is, well, did you pray about it? Well, you know, um, you know I like it. That's good. When I left Raymond, I was not a pastor. I told him, I said, I'm not a pastor. Never will be. That's what I said. That's not what he said, but that's what I said. And I came to Florida once to the Jesus festivals. And I left and I said, I don't like it down there. I'll never live there. (laughs) Well, it just shows how smart I am. Because I'm living where I'll never live and doing what I would never do. And I got a little secret for you. If you follow God, you're going to go places you never thought you would and do things you never thought you'd do. Once, once, see, once you find out what you think you want to do, you might want to go pray about it. Now, Lord, now that I've prayed, now that I've decided what I want to do, I think I'm going to lay all this out before you and ask you to lead me and guide me and you show me what it is you want me to do. Because I'm going to tell you where the problem's coming in your life. It's because you run in your life. I don't have time. We're going to, we'll send you to lunch in a minute. I've had a couple of times I've did it my way. I wished I'd had not. When you lose fifty, hundred thousand dollars in a bad deal, you're like, I should have listened to God. And you find yourself flat on your back in the hospital. You go, I wished I'd listened to God. God didn't do it. You can't just keep doing it your way. Now, I told the story of the first service, and I'm going to close with this. And, and I hope I don't lose it again. I always lose it. God loves us. He cares about us. But that night that he took me to heaven, I got to stand in front of his presence, and I, and I said, um, he said, why don't people listen to me? And I said, I don't know. I just got saved. I don't know why people don't listen to you. It got real quiet in heaven. 
And he leaned forward on his knees and he looked me right. He looked at me and said, why don't people listen to me? And I said, Father, I don't know. And he began to weep. He began to weep. And, and I fell on the floor in heaven and I was crying my guts out. I said, God, you're killing me. You're killing me. He said, why don't people listen to me? I said, I don't know. He, everything he did was to fellowship with us. Everything he ever did was for us. You're not going to walk in love if you don't walk with God. You're going to be a selfish person. You're not going to walk in wisdom if you don't walk with God. You're not that smart. The Bible that you've been studying is still not going to make any sense to you. Those scriptures on healing, they'll never make any sense to you. And you'll never use your faith to get it. Even though you read the book. That's not where it comes from. It comes from you spending time with him. See, he is the word. The church today, that's all of us in this room. I think it's time for us to come back to God, don't you? And I, and, and I, I know that you're Christians. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about enjoying sweet fellowship with Jesus. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not going to give an altar call. But if you're here this morning and you have lost your joy, your life is miserable. You're out of fellowship with God. Go read 1 John 1 9. Go read it. 1 John was not written about relationship and the world. The preachers who preach it, they're wrong. It's talking to the church. And he, it says there, and I'll tell you how you can prove it. You don't confess your sins to get saved. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. You don't confess your sins to get born again. He's not talking to a sinner. He's talking to you and I. You and I need to have times with God where we get along with God and let him deal with our hearts. And if he shows you something to change, you're willing to make the adjustment and walk with God. And when you do that, your life is going to change. Heavenly Father, I bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. Father God, I'm a, I took a message that I believe you handed to me and asked me to preach it. We've had a wonderful time with you today in the Spirit, the Holy Ghost moving and the gifts of the Spirit in operation and, and just having fun with you. And Father, I know that right now in this room, there's people who, who they know the Bible and they're born again. They, they're saved. But I don't believe everybody in this room is fellowshipping with you. I'm not here to bring condemnation. That's because the Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. But I am here by the Spirit of God to call them, call them back to their first love. Call them back to putting you first in their life. Calling them back to that sweet fellowship of the one that died for him and rose from the dead. And we hear the word you ask Jesus. I mean, he asked Peter, do you love me? And we ask ourselves that, do I love him? And, and does he know it by watching my life? Is there anything in my life that he could look and say, it's obvious I love God. If not, then we, Father, we're going to get that straight today. So if you're here right now today and, and, and you need, if, if, even if you need prayer in a minute, Lisa will give a, a, a chance for you to come up and be prayed for. And Father, I'm, I pray for this church, this church right here in Apopka. I pray over this, the people sitting in this room. There's a lot of things in the Bible we know. We're not doing everything we know. There's a lot more in there. There's things that we have 
stopped doing. There's things that, that, that we've omitted. There's things that we need to start doing. All of us in this room are at different places, but I'm asking you to begin dealing with the people of this church, to draw near to God, to fellowship with you, and to spend time, whether it's Sunday morning or, or Sunday afternoon at home, spending time with you until we get our joy back, until that relationship is back sweet again, like it was when we first got saved. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.